Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As 2018 draws to a close, changes in the air for 2019. At final battle, the Young Bucks and Cody said goodbye to Ring of Honor with one last spectacular showing. But what is the next step for them? We will talk all about the thrilling night in New York as well as some cryptic messages in the latest episode of Being the Elite. WWE also had their last pay-per-view of the year amidst the storyline of change for the better. We break down tables, liars, and chairs and analyze whether WWE is serious about improving its product. Impact wrapped its in-ring TV action as they look forward to homecoming. The brand is in a much better place to end 2018 than it was a year ago, but have they given viewers enough reason to invest in the product? Plus, we take your last batch of questions for the year. Next. WrestlingInc.com brings you two-faced wrestling talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on ROH, NJPW, Impact, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as I am every week, by my co-host, Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Kelsey. What's up? <laughs> Not much. End of the year. Uh, wrapping up a good year of wrestling and our first year on the air, and uh, plenty to talk about. Yeah, lots. I'm really excited because now we get to delve into Final Battle, and I really, really enjoyed that show quite a bit. Yeah, me too, and uh, we'll talk more about it, but... Uh, when you compare the two pay-per-views, Final Battle was definitely the better of the two. Oh, heck yeah. Well, at least <laughs> in my that, opinion. Not that that's a surprise, but... There were some good moments in the WWE show. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah we'll talk, we'll talk all about it. But uh, first, we got some business to attend to. Tell everyone how they can find us. Yep. You could find us on social media at TwoFacedPod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D. We are most active on Twitter. Um, you could also find me on Twitter. I'm very active, and I put out some polls here and there that have to do with the show, and a lot of times people's responses get read on the show. So you can uh, keep up with all that at SuperKickingIt, S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. And we want to thank our good friends at uh, mybookie.ag. Remember to use the promo code KICKIT if you open an account. The NFL playoffs are right around the corner. We're in the midst of college bowl season. Get some action and uh, make some money using the promo code KICKIT. And we also want to thank our friend at St. Arnold Brewing. We'll display here on the set this week uh, one of your favorites, Raspberry AF. Yeah. And the seasonal Christmas ale, which is delicious. I encourage you to... Try and find it if you can. It's a tremendous beer, and uh, I know you love the Raspberry AF. 
very sour. If you like sour beers, it truly is a sour beer. Some beers call themselves a sour. This one truly is. And we'll uh, be cracking those open in a little while. They are, they are more than just props. They are going to be consumed in just a bit. With Christmas burgers. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's time to give our opinions on the latest wrestling shows, news, and developments. It's time for Headlines. To start with Ring of Honor's final show of the year and also their biggest show of the year final battle overall your thoughts on the show I thought it was a wonderful show it basically lived up to previous final battle expectations because every year this is one of my favorite pay-per-views I can remember when the Hardys made their surprise like video package kind of debut announcing that they were going to be challenging like the Bucks and working with like the Bucks you know, during their expedition of gold. <laughs> um, I marked out, I was jumping on the bed, so that was one of my favorite moments in Ring of Honor, like, the last few years. So this, I think, was special in a different way because we had a lot of goodbyes. So it was a different kind of final battle, but I think they're trying to pave the road for the future for the company. But there's a lot of questions still in the air, and we're going to really go very in-depth on all of that coming up. Well, and right off the bat, something we both noticed uh, the production value has gotten so good with Ring of Fire. You mentioned just a couple of years ago and how far they've come. The audio was better, the video well, was better, but there was one problem. The director missed some key parts of the During the, the latter match, yeah. it was pretty no, it was chaotic. Yeah. I mean, what could they do, really? <laughs> but uh, apparently, like, the cameramen, they got some of the shots. It was just the director not punching them up because sometimes they would ask for a replay and they would replay it from a different angle and it actually captured the move so it wasn't really one person's fault but it was hard to do anyway i don't fault them for that it's a difficult thing to capture but uh going back to the audio now you said they've been improving over years well the audio has been bad even this year mm -hmm. so to me final battle was the best i've ever heard them have the levels for like the entrance music because to me i love some of the ring of honor entrance music but it's always been way way too like low. you couldn't hear it at all also you <laughs> yeah, couldn't in the hear past, the crowd yeah. Or the Either. crowd. Because you would be watching from home and it would seem like the crowd was dead or kind of like in a lull. But this time they were really rowdy. And they're always rowdy at Final Battle because it's a New York crowd. But uh, the levels, just you hearing it at home, it felt like you were there. And I liked that. I thought it was a job well done by the production crew for Ring of Honor. Yeah, for so long, you never heard the entrance themes. It was just kind of like low background noise. So hopefully this is a step towards what they're going to be in the future. Yeah, and, and I compare it to, because you and I have been to so many Ring of Honor shows in person, so when you're in person, everything seems so loud and escalated, and a lot of times for the show, we'll go back and watch it after. Again, whatever show we were at, we'll rewatch. And every time we rewatch, it's like, wow, this does not paint the experience of being there at all. I feel like what we heard on, you know, watching the pay-per-view, I think that's pretty similar to the crowd experience there, and that's saying a lot about the improvements they've made production-wise. Early on, they had a couple of matches. Kenny King uh, was in action. Paige and Cobb. Kelly Klein won the Women of Honor. But we're going to start with Taven and Castle. And right off the bat, one of the spots of the show oh, that, scary. that was scary involved Taven. And it's ironic that he would have a close call with the railing. So what happened was he basically, his ribs got driven into the railing when he was diving to the outside. 
it's almost like he overshot it a little bit. And literally, full force landed on his ribs. And I think that's so ironic, like I kind of mentioned a few seconds mm-hmm. ago, because we know the worst injury that I saw in the last few years, same thing, caused by a railing, was from another member of the kingdom, T.K. Orion. Well, and I said during the show, I've said it numerous times throughout the year, I think they have, I know they want to pack as many people in and get people as close to the action as possible. I think the barricades and the railings are too close. You know, you're, you're introducing a whole new level of, of things that can go wrong that don't need to go wrong. You know, Matt Taven, yes, did he overshoot it? Yeah, but that barricade is so close. It's, uh, I, I, I would like to see them just move those barricades back. I mean, even just three feet, I think, would make all the difference in the world. Because even in that setup at Hammerstein Ballroom, on one side there was, or on two sides, there was a lot more room. We noticed right. it in the latter match. Because they needed those sides for that match, right. obviously, to do stuff to the outside. Right. So, I mean, I would have been fine if they had put the, the railing all the way around like that. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, it is a smaller venue, too. It is. It is. Um, the other thing, you mentioned TK Ryan, you mentioned Taven. The other part of the kingdom is, of course, Vinny and... Uh, the under the ring antics in this match when he pulls the boys back <laughs> under under the ring that was so great. I love that. Um, I love everything that Vinny's doing, and you know he's got such impeccable timing with the releasing of his balloons all the time. Like they showed it in the video packages leading into this match when he basically released the balloons in the build, and it's like perfectly timed, and they make it so artsy, and I just think it adds a lot to the like the visual element of the match and of his character really i like it a lot but yeah the boys i'm always like up for seeing the boys on you know pay-per-view because actually on the cruise so dalton castle was on the jericho cruise which by the way they announced that there's going to be another cruise which is a big announcement what does this have to do with all elite wrestling or you know the elite essentially i don't know if they're involved or we'll have to speculate about that later but during the cruise, there were no boys. There were fake boys. So it was great to see the real boys back in action. And I actually like this match a lot better than I thought. Yeah, me too. Me too. I thought it was pretty good and storytelling was good and stuff like that. But uh, the first real match that felt like it was significant was Christopher Daniels against Marty Skrull. And uh, Marty gets the win, which I guess is not a big surprise. But uh, all that was involved in that, you know, Skrull leaving after the match and uh, Christopher Daniels having an emotional moment that was uh, shattered, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, it was shattered by Bully Ray coming in and interrupting, basically knocking him into in the balls, <laughs> making him fall down. But uh, And then Christopher Daniels was kind of still outside the ring for a while. You noticed that he didn't go back up the ramp. You even noticed him talking to, I think it was Todd who was out there yeah. at that point. But um, I thought that was well done, actually, because although he didn't get as long of an emotional moment as I kind of wanted him to have with the crowd... Because, you know, he's done so much for Ring of Honor. It would have great been great to see have a long send-off. But I like that Bully Ray interrupted it so that they could go straight into the I Quit match and there was no lull. There was no weird, like, oh, we got to play something in between this. It just kind of flowed together. And I thought for timing-wise, it worked really well. Well, and we weren't sure whether we would like this I Quit match. Uh, and there are people who don't like it, which is a little surprising to me. I thought Bully Ray was, I mean, he is... His heel work has been so good. He was going after everybody. You know, he goes after Silken. Well, yeah, it added to the match that he went after Daniels to begin with. Right, right, right. And then he goes after Silken, and Daniels throws his body in and saves him. 
And then there was the introduction of Flip's girlfriend. Oh, gosh. Oh, I've got so much to say about that. Well, you noticed her much earlier in the show sitting ringside. Yes, because I was like, who's that girl frowning, like, the whole time? Like, she was clapping, but she looked like she had a straight face the whole time. I was like, who is this girl? Not really paying attention. She was on her phone. I I was wondering, like, why is she front row at this wrestling show if she doesn't seem to be into it? Then it all made sense when she got put into the storyline. But the funny thing is, even when she was involved, she still had this (laughs) miserable-looking look on her face. But someone actually tweeted Flip Gordon, and it said, uh... When they tell you that this is the biggest pay-per-view of the year and there's no Roman Reigns on the card and it showed a close-up of her face like <laughs> frowning and then Flip Gordon was like, who did this? And he actually was laughing about it. Because, I mean, it's totally meme-worthy, her face. Right. <laughs> well, and then she gets involved. Bully is, you know, you know bullying her, for yeah. lack of a better word. And she uh, kind of returns the favor on the shot to the uh, nether region of Bully Ray and... <laughs> Carrie Silken comes out with the kendo stick and hits Bully Ray, and then the appearance of the legend Sandman, who... He was involved in a previous <laughs> yeah. Ring of Honor angle, so they brought him back for right. this, which kind of made sense to tie it all together, but... Um... I'm, I'm not one to throw stones but on bodies, but Sandman, not exactly in the best shape. I mean, he looked a lot different. I mean, I just saw him, like, two years ago. He was literally right in front of me, like, pouring beer down these people, like, right next to me. You know, at a Wildcat show, yeah. Yeah, at a Wildcat show. He was pouring beer down their mouths and stuff, and right in front of me, and he, he looked more in shape then. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what, what's going on. That was but... just a weird like weird shaped body it but was it was good, good to, see. to see him. oh yeah because i love sandman back in the day and you know to have him with a fellow ecw thing a star and in the hammerstein ballroom and all that it, it really fit and it of did. course he led to flip getting the victory as flip wore out bully with the kendo sticks till bully quit yeah, and, and, you know, they were using this kendo stick with an American flag. And I think, oh, yeah. you know, actually, Flip Gordon was wearing, like, his army pants. And I think that was to call attention to even more that, like, he was the army veteran. And yet, Bully Ray, like, was disrespecting him. Like, you should respect your veterans. I think they were playing that up, like, to the fullest. Which I think was a good direction to go in. But uh, using a flag on the kendo stick and the kendo stick was like lying on the ground and stuff like you know some people might be offended by that in fact there was military people in the crowd and you were worried like oh the flags on the ground and stuff but we both came to the agreement that well flip was the one who's the veteran and he's okay doing it so i'm sure it's fine right right so it didn't really bother us in the end no yeah like he came out with and he had the fan hold it for a little while and i'm like how is this gonna all work out but uh yeah, I, I mean, when it was on the ground, you're like, oh, the flag's not supposed to touch the ground and stuff. But uh, People wear flags as outfits all the time, and they're not supposed to do that. So well, this, you know, just another thing that's similar. But if Flip was okay with it, then I would say it's okay. Concludes a good year for Flip, wouldn't you agree? Great year. <laughs> and obviously there's somebody, he's somebody that they're going to be investing in very heavily. I mean, he's got two years left on his deal. So I think he's going to be a top Ring of Honor star for years and years to come. Well, let's uh, shift to the, one of the co-main events, and you talk about guy a guy being in a, with the company for years and years. That's Jay Lethal going against a guy who was saying goodbye to the company and Cody. And uh, right off the get-go, I remember you saying something about uh, the intensity. I loved the intensity. I loved how seriously Lethal was taking the match because, you know, he really comes off like this is actually how he feels like it might be part of his gimmick but that he's super invested in ring of honor he's such good friends with carrie silken who has such a big history with the company and making the company as successful as it is today um 
And so I think that really comes across. And it was a really interesting story with everyone knowing Cody's contract mm-hmm. being up in the air and everything. So they were really, really making Lethal the um, the baby face because Cody was kind of berating the crowd. Like, I don't want to perform for you guys anymore anyway. And calling them, like, you know, a-holes. And I think he called them a-holes. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to perform for you ever again anyway. I don't want to be in this stupid company. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But <laughs> yeah. I thought that was way more intense. We saw a basically pure heel Cody because a lot of times Cody will go in between and be like kind of like a gray where he goes in and out of being, like, very heelish. He'll be kind of like a babyface with heelish tones. But this was pure heel. And I like that, and I thought that was good for Ring of Honor as a promotion. It was the right thing to do. You were saying you m- noticed Lethal mocking, you know, Cody's previous persona. Oh, yeah, that was that was great because he, he – it was all, like, towards the end. I mean, first, I guess we need to back up that Brandy, of course, got involved. Of course. She spe- speared Jay Lethal. Went to spear him again. Lethal jumped over, and she spears her husband. So that was good. But at the end, Lethal mocks the Stardust uh, thing. Then then he says, like, get the F out of my company and flicks him off. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> yep. And then applied the Lethal injection. Yeah. And then to top it off with a figure four was was pretty cool. Too. It was pretty sweet. It was so. like the icing on top of the cake. And I thought that that was their best matchup together out of, like, I think this would be their third matchup in Ring of Honor since Cody's been there. And I thought it was the best one. No blading, thank goodness. <laughs> I was hoping that they wouldn't go that direction, and they didn't. They didn't need it. No. The emotion was there, and what the match meant was there. You know, the, what the result would mean. I, I loved it. What well do you, done, and to me, that was one of my favorite matches of the night. We thought Marty Scroll was going to get the number one contender, but then we get the appearance of Nick Aldis. What did you make of all that? Oh, I love the idea of that, because Aldis really has risen up the ranks this year, and NWA's done such a great job at making the brand relevant. To see him walk in and still be involved, regardless of Cody being in the company or not, which I'm not even sure if I think Cody's still going to be involved, and so will the Bucks, but we'll talk about that later. But to see Aldis come out and uh, make everyone question, what does this mean? I- I'd love to see an Aldis versus Lethal match. And I've he- heard people talking on Twitter about wanting to see Omega versus Aldis. Yep, that's, that's a, awesome. That's a Twitter question for uh, later as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, next week, Nick Aldis will also be a subject of discussion of ours. Yes, and you know what's interesting actually is you said Scroll was supposed to be the number one contender, and he is technically. I'm sure Aldis thing will happen down the road, but Aldis and Scroll are great friends. So who knows? Maybe this will also lead to a Scroll Aldis match, which. Aldis said he wants that to happen. He said that in the press conference that I was at at NWA 70 after the show was over. Because they're good friends. I'd love to see that match. Well, let's go to the main event, the uh, Ladder Wars match. The Young Bucks, the Briscoes, SCU. And this the Briscoes! Was... <laughs> uh, what, what was the thing we said last week? Uh, you liked seeing the clowns for a little while, but at some point you got to send in the animals. Yeah. Uh, the Briscoes were animals in this. Oh, yeah. And it was brutal. I mean, there was a lot of bloodshed in this match. Yeah, I mean, I remember the last Ladder War match with SCU. I'm sorry, not SCU. With the Addiction and Motor City Machine Guns in the Bucks. Now, that had blood, especially Christopher Daniels. He was, his face was busted open in that match. That was Ladder War 6. Now, this one had blood, but I think it was more blood. And I think it was more gruesome in a way. But overall, I loved the match, but I actually think that I like Ladder War 6 better overall. I don't know why. I just really, really loved Christopher Daniels' role in that match. 
But this this ladder match stood on its own. It had, I think, just a very... Uh, it wasn't so much about the spots. It was more about the brutality between them, what? with or without the ladder. Which, in Ladder War 6, I felt like the ladder was another character. Here, I just felt like the ladder was an accessory. It was more about the teams. Well, and so it there, was different. And there were some crazy spots, of course. Um, but I think what stood out to me is some of the spots weren't perfect so it added an element of danger the the mat la landing on the table but on the directly on the legs as and, opposed to the middle and then near the end nick not going through the second table there was two tables in a row right. on the outside nick gets pushed in and he only makes it through one it looks like his head hits the edge of the second one well and, and he looked hurt and in between those don't forget there was the kaz going through the table where he kind of overshot it and we both believed he was legitimately hurt oh yeah because he looked like he was gingerly touching his hamstring, like maybe he had torn it or something. And it was immediately red, like right. blood was pooling underneath right. his skin. And so you thought he tore his hamstring. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I just because he, the way he was weirdly touching it, like he didn't want to touch it. And it was so As you bruised. mentioned, the discoloration, it was really brutal. And I remember Mark at one point barking out, uh, we hurt people. Oh, I love that. That was probably one of my favorite parts of the match when you called attention to that. I was like, oh, that's so Mark. Mark's my favorite Briscoe out of the two of them. I just love him so much. But speaking of Mark, unfortunately, we kind of mentioned this earlier, the camera guys or the director, TD, whoever, missed some of the, the moves, missed some of the spots. One of the missed spots was Mark fell into a ladder, and it was a crazy spot. You could tell because you could hear the thud. It was like, boom. But we didn't see it, and they never played a replay. So his awesome spot was lost. <laughs> well, and there's one spot on a ladder, too, where Jay looked like he really hit his head hard. Yeah. So, uh, and then you loved, uh, at one point when there was a little exchange between Jay and Matt when they uh, they brought out the sledgehammer. You remember that? Jay was daring him to use it, remember? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was daring him to use it, and then Matt just threw it away. Like, right. I'm not going to buy into... Triple H. Like, I thought that was a whole reference to Triple H. And which obviously, we're about to get to. Yeah, yeah. it ties into being the elite, which we're about to talk about. And then, of course, Kaz hit a uh, Styles Clash, a little, another little shout-out to WWE. But in the end, it was the Briscoes, the 10-time champs, which we love. I do love. <laughs> I'm glad the Briscoes won. It obviously makes sense because it seems like Kaz and Scorpio Sky are leaving, too. Yeah. So that leads us to the aftermath of this show, and we'll start right there. With those other two tag teams seemingly gone, where do we go with the tag team division? It doesn't seem like there's a lot of depth there for the Briscoes. That's true. And, like, the Briscoes are your top team. That's why they were the correct choice in this match. Even if there was more teams involved in the match, it would have still been great to have the Briscoes because they're the top of the division. I mean, you've got the Bouncers. They've already faced the Briscoes is the funny part. Mm -hmm. And it's been a great match. But, like, uh, in terms of depth, it doesn't go very far right now yeah. unless they start signing a lot of people. Now, you know how Marty kind of has this right. new faction. That's they what I was might kind of go off as like tags. Kingdom will tag mm -hmm. probably yep. two out of the three. All, yeah, so know. Villain Enterprises will probably have a tag team with the Brody there. And like you said, the Kingdom. But you, you know, got to have more than that because otherwise you're looking at a WWE situation where the same couple teams are going to be going against each other. Again, I'm not convinced. Like, everyone's saying, like, oh, they're totally done with the Ring of Honor. And, yeah, they're done. And they even tweeted out, Matt tweeted out, we will not be at G1 Supercard. Now, I don't know if I 100% believe him because that would be an amazing surprise if they just showed up. Right. And the tickets are sold. So they don't have to tout them being there to sell tickets that are sold. So, to me, 
I think, I truly think, because how could they start their own promotion if that's the direction that's it's going in, and we'll talk about that more, but if they start their own promotion, how can they fill it with talent if they don't dip into Ring of Honor's talent pool and New Japan's talent pool? Because there's only so many people like on the indie circuit besides that, besides well, who aren't signed to Impact, Ring of Honor, or New Japan. And to the flip side, I think that also opens the door for those guys to still go back to Ring of Honor, compete, maybe not necessarily win belts, but go back just for matches and stuff too. So hopefully that's the case because otherwise it would seem pretty thin. Well, you know what we saw with All In? All the promotions working together, and the Bucks were at the forefront of that. Why wouldn't they just continue that if the Bucks did start their own promotion? What problem would Ring of Honor have with that? It would elevate their product. Any opportunity to still be associated with them, they're really hot right now for crossover appeal. I just don't think that they would let some kind of ego thing get in the way. And they all seem to have left, quote, in air quotes, left on good terms. Right. I think there's more to this. I think we're going to see all this play out for months and months. I don't know. Well, and I just I I have a feeling. Personally. Well, and that starts with uh, some of the hints that were dropped in being the elite. I know you got caught up on that in the last couple of days. Yeah, I mean, I it was, was interesting. episodes behind. <laughs> yeah. I was like eight episodes behind on uh, being the elite, so it actually helped me understand Final Battle a lot more. And you know, I should have watched it before, but Final right. Battle, to be honest. But uh, especially my favorite episode, the one I caught up on, was The Exorcism of Cody Rhodes. I thought it was so well done. It was a perfect spoof of The Exorcist, where Christopher Daniels played Father Marin, which was, like, the main priest in The Exorcist. Oh, it was so well done. And, you know, he was, like, in his, you know, uh, fallen angel gimmick. <laughs> oh, amazing. Just amazing. But why that episode was important was because they had been playing up for a couple episodes, Triple H trying to persuade and entice and leave notes for members of being the elite uh different members like you know and hangman page was investigating this like who is triple h contacted who has he gotten to and uh hangman page was questioning are we really going to all stick together are the bucks going to end up wanting to go to wwe is that the direction we're going so all of this is playing together and there's this one scene where triple h essentially corners cody rhodes and then in the next few episodes, Cody Rhodes is, quote, possessed. And he starts, like, spouting off. He's got white contacts, so it looks like he's got no eyes. And he's spouting off WWF slash WWE facts throughout history like he's some WWE drone. It's <laughs> incredible. Like, And he's trying to say it to the Bucks and to everyone. And he's also shaking. And they kept emphasizing that this is important because I'm going to talk about what the money shakes might mean and how, to me, they're still leaving – questions open i think subtly just for fun i think so cody while he was possessed you know from triple h he was having the money shakes and they kept talking about how the money shakes are really bad and you know it obviously had a lot to do with because wwe was offering them a lot of money to go and leave and to join the company so fast forward he gets exercised whatever then we go to leaving the territory which is the latest episode as of our taping on thursday night uh, the latest episode of BTE. Well, basically, you think that the Bucks are going to sign a contract with, with uh, Triple H. They hand him a contract. Uh, the contract said, if you sign this and join us, you know, the slate is clean. You can do whatever you want, essentially do the two-sweet, which we know in the match they did a right. two-sweet. Right, <laughs> So they hand him the contract. He puts it in his pocket, and uh, they shake his hand like they're taking a picture, like a performance center picture mm -hmm. with him. And uh, you only see Triple H from the back because it's Kazarian playing him. It's so well done. 
the last few episodes have been gold. Say what you will about the storytelling being silly. Some people might not like it, but their production is incredible for just guys, you know, who taught themselves how to do stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, basically, fast forward a little bit through the episode, and Hangman Page is like, so are we signed with them? Did you sign with them? And they're like, not exactly. And they flash back, and they basically super kick Triple H, and they give him a letter, and it says... Essentially, yeah, you know, we watched an episode of Raw and saw what you did to the tag team division. They say to never say never, but we wish you luck in all your future endeavors. And that was a big key. So they ended the episode, and it seemed like they had turned down Triple H. Right. They seemed to point all directions to they're not going to join, and they're leaving Ring of Honor, and they're starting their whole thing. The ends, all of them with their suitcases, and they say, come on, boys, let's go change the world. And suddenly, you see all their hands on their luggage walking away, and they all have a subtle money shake. So what does the money shake mean? I actually looked on Reddit because I was like, what does this mean? Because it left it up in the air for me. Because people thought it was so definite. I saw on Twitter, everyone was talking about the super kick to Triple H. And the never say never, we wish you luck in your future endeavors. But what does the money shake mean? Like, does that mean that they're still leaving it kind of open? <laughs> or does it mean that they have the money shake because they're going to make a lot of money together? Or because their supposed investor, who's the owner of the Jaguars, mm -hmm. um, is a billionaire? Yes. I don't know what it means, but to me, it leaves it up in the air kind of it, still. A little bit, but they're the masters of that. Well, and that's what makes it so much fun, because you could read a million possibilities. I mean, or you could dream of a million scenarios. I told you, maybe, you know, again, this is a scenario. This is not what I'm speculating has happened. They, they're going to be a part of WWE, but yeah. also have the freedom to do other stuff. Um, maybe it opens the door for a working partnership with WWE. I really think that's more what they're going to do with Ring of Honor. So I'm like on the same wavelength a little, but I don't think it'll be with WWE. Only because I don't think WWE wants to go that direction. I don't think they want to admit... I think they'd offer them money to come fully, but I don't think they want to work with another promotion. Not they've done it with other promotions, like Progress and stuff. I, I just don't see it with the Bucks. Not, well, not with Vince, but Triple H is progressive thinking... Uh, I don't know. It, let's put it this way. It, it at least makes for good discussion topics leading up to Royal Rumble. Could the Young Bucks appear at the Royal Rumble? Because you, you know, no, I'm not saying they're going to, but you know they're going to play it up. Like, yeah. they're going to hint that maybe they are going to make an appearance. Well, that's you why know? I think they that Matt tweeting out he's not going to be at G1 Supercard is part of their game. Right. Because people are going to be like, well, wow, they're not even going to, like, even work with Ring of Honor. And, like, wow, they're not going to be at this big show. Maybe they aren't going to form their own company. Maybe Or maybe they are, but they're not going to be involved with anything else. Or maybe they're going to be involved with WWE. So I think he and Nick are the masters of Absolutely. trolling and speculation. Absolutely. They know, and they've said this a billion, zillion times. You listen to any interview, you read any article about them, they emphasize the importance of being talked about, how they made it, you know, even a little bit big in the beginning. How their names even got out there was super kicking a kid. You know, I forgot if it was Matt or Nick. One of them didn't want to do it. And the other one was like, well, don't you want everyone to talk about us? This is going to, like, be a huge thing. We've got to do it. So that, and then, you know, super kicking Candice LeRae with the thumbtacks mm -hmm. in that Joey Ryan um, Candice match versus the Bucks and PWG, all that was to get a buzz. Because, you know, super kicking a woman in the face, that's a big deal where she's all bloodied up. They knew it was going to create buzz. They knew it was going to create kind of controversy. I mean, even when then they were speculated to have been rude to Booker T, and that was a whole big thing, they played that up, too. Mm-hmm. Online, because they're the masters of manipulation and getting their name out there. 
if anyone's talking about you, it's a good thing. I agree. But uh, it, it makes for some fun discussion, and it's going to, look, it's going to, like I said, it's going to continue until Royal Rumble. Unless they do something concrete between now and I think it's January 27th, I think they're going to feed the flames of, Will we appear in Phoenix at Royal Rumble? They could. I mean, it's all up for speculation, but that's what's so great about wrestling. And I think 2019 is going to be one of the best years for wrestling, period, because there's so many possibilities. And even if, I say I'm wrong, and they're not going to be involved with Ring of Honor, I'm still intrigued what Ring of Honor is going to do going forward, and I still think they can succeed. I do. Because they're signing a lot of big people, including they just signed Mark Haskins. Mm -hmm. um, great, great wrestler, and I think that's going to be exciting to see what he does for the company. So regardless or not, even if the Bucks don't make a surprise appearance at G1 Supercar, why wouldn't you want to go? Okada's going to be there. He isn't. They don't wrestle often in that New York area, except for the um, the War of the Worlds tour. They really don't wrestle up there that often. A lot of times they've been doing California. No, it's going to be a huge show. Yeah. So why? Because somebody was telling me, that, oh, people are selling their tickets because the Bucks aren't going to be there. That's I think that's that's silly that's if insanity. people are doing that. <laughs> well, let's shift gears now and let's talk about WWE. We've talked about them a little bit and their. Uh, possibility of the Young Bucks going there, but they had their uh, final pay-per-view of the year. And again, we'll just start with some quick thoughts. Look, I've mentioned this a couple times. Renee Young being on the commentary, I'm all for it. I like Renee. But they step all over her. Yes. Now, maybe it's because it takes her a minute to get a thought out. I don't know what it is. But Cole, and it, and even in, this, in that first match with Vic Joseph doing the play-by-play, they're just stepping all over her. And so she never gets to finish a thought or has to try and finish a thought. Uh, not a big fan of that. But the mix Mash Challenge to start the show. What a terrible decision, I thought. Ridiculous <laughs> decision. And to back up and touch on the Renee Young thing, she wasn't like that when she was on NXT commentary. She was great. So I think it's more that they're being instructed to, like, oh, say this really quick, and they're just stepping on her, and that's what's bad. I don't think she's bad. She could use some work, but, uh, yeah, it's a shame she didn't get to have her thoughts. But, yeah, I thought the Mixed Match Challenge was a huge mistake to open up the show with. I thought it was underwhelming. I thought it was silly and ridiculous, and it's not a very fun, like, like wow moment. It's more like a oh-ha-ha -ha moment, right. not a wow, that's a great start to the show. No, no, it, it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really entertaining. And then the the back and forth between Carmella and R-Truth at the beginning, like, after they were talking about where they're going to go, it was awkward. Oh, yeah. Carmella was overacting. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, sometimes she can pull off a comedy segment really well. This was not one of those times. I thought it was terrible. All right, well, let's get to some of the uh, main matches, and we'll start with uh, Dean Ambrose going against Seth Rollins. I thought this was a good match, but not as good as some of the matches in the past. Uh, I, I liked the ending, though, when uh, when Rollins says to Ambrose, this is for all of us and Reigns, you piece of, you know what? And Ambrose hits Dirty Deeds to get the win yeah. and uh, wins the title. The other men's match that was kind of of note was uh, Styles and Bryan. It was a solid match, but it took a while for the crowd to kind of get into it. Once they got into it, they were pretty pretty well into it. But uh, I, I did mention back on uh, Final Battle that Kaz hit a Styles Clash. Interesting that AJ Styles attempted a Styles Clash but didn't hit it. So the only person to hit a Styles Clash all weekend was not AJ Styles. So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> um and it ended up with Brian winning on a uh, cradle reversal. Both good matches, but really, to me, the three women's matches 
were the best matches of the show, starting with uh, Ruby Riot and Natalia. To me, I loved the Natalia match. I thought she really delivered. I hated the premise of the match. Um, I didn't like the table with Neidhart on it. I thought that was, like, uncouth. I don't know. I'm sure Natalia was okay with it, or at least... Right asked about it or maybe told about it i don't know but i mean she knew about it ahead of time but i didn't like it and i didn't like how corny it was that natalia later pulls out a table with ruby riot on it the same type of like decal right because before the match how would she know she wouldn't have known that they were coming out with the table with the night heart on it right it was supposed to be like this big shocking moment yet she's prepared with a ruby riot table of her own yes and i know kayfabe is dead and all but like come on (laughs) You don't have to have the exact same table with her on it. You could have just had her Natalia pull out a table like that with nothing on it. It would have been fine. But I loved how intense Natalia seemed. She slapped the heck out of Ruby Riot. Don't say my family's name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, and also don't mess with my family. Or don't mess bee. with my family. That's yeah. It. That was so good. I just thought that was some great kind of passion from Natalia. She actually seemed like revved up and mm-hmm. lots of emotion there. And that's great because sometimes Natalia can kind of like get corny, but I felt like she was super invested in this and she did a great job and she's so strong. Like if you see some women try to pick up other women and put them through like a table or place them on a table, they do it really gingerly and they do it kind of awkwardly. Natalia is so strong and She's great at wrestling. Nothing felt like she was thinking through things. And every time she picked up Ruby or picked up one of the other members of the Riot Squad to put them through a table or on a table, it just seemed, like, flawless. Like, she didn't have a hard time doing it. Yeah, I mean, she drilled Liv through the table. And then later, Sarah Logan. And then, obviously, she put Ruby Riot away. I've been a continuous fan of Natalia, and that's for a reason. She's really helped build the division up, and whenever they need somebody to to, to teach other women, they go to Natalia. Whenever you watch, like, behind-the-scenes stuff on the network, they show Natalia as, like, somebody who's really important with teaching the other women in the division about the ropes in WWE, and she's just a great wrestler. She really is a dependable, great wrestler. Well, look, one of Charlotte Flair's best early matches was was in NXT against Natty. So, uh, yeah, she's tremendous, and... We'd be remiss if we didn't reiterate that we think Ruby Riot is oh, yeah. outstanding. And, you know, Corey Graves said it during the broadcast, and, of course, they, they, promote, they push this stuff sometimes. But Ruby Riot should get a title shot at some point. She really should, and I don't see that happening, though, no. the way the division's booked right now. And that, that really sucks to me because she's super talented, and something that felt natural about this match is, to me, they didn't seem like they were going through the motions. The only thing Natalia struggled with was, like, near the finish when she was up there, when she had, like, her dad's jacket on. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine how hard it was to have that huge jacket on <laughs> and also try to put ruby through the table from like you know the turnbuckle right so to me that was difficult but uh even that she kind of worked through and it didn't seem that awkward so i applaud both of them because they worked really flawlessly together and not all women's matches are like that so i liked it the second uh women's match on the on the card was uh ronda rousey versus nia jackson i know we're we'll, we're gonna delve into ronda rousey a lot next week uh in our year-end special but Again, she delivered with some just kind of cool stuff. I mean, she seems so comfortable in the ring. Well, firstly, let's talk about one of the cool things that you loved. How awesome when she jumped off the turnbuckle to the outside on Naya, how beautiful that looked when they slowed it down. Talk about how that was impressive to you. Oh, you, you love that. Yeah, the, you're talking about the crossbody. Yeah. yeah. It was 
it was picturesque, the slow-mo. Like, her form was perfect. She didn't look awkward. She looked like a wrestler's wrestler. Yeah. Like, perfect form. No, and, you know, she had some cool reversals early in the match. Uh, and then the just scaling Nia like she was like a, a tree or something. A jungle gym, you said. A uh, jungle gym. Yeah. That's right. I did use that analogy. I love that analogy because as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, my God, I can see. Because she was like, you know, jumping off of her limbs. Like she jumped off of Nia's leg and then like put her in a hold. And the way she just like flipped her over to get her in that arm bar, beautifully done. I mean, I love the match. Now, I kind of like the Natalia match a little bit better. I don't know why, I just love Natalia so much, but <laughs> Ronda never gets her due props, and we'll talk more about this even next week, but, you know, people are so high on Becky Lynch and so focused on Ronda getting stuff handed to her. I think they're losing sight about how natural of a performer Ronda is and how I think we should be happy she's in WWE. Now, I will say I was surprised the crowd did cheer her when she was walking away. Yeah. And she seemed really happy about that because <laughs> she could actually be a great heel, but I think she likes being liked too much. And I actually read an article about that a couple of weeks ago, how much she likes being liked. And uh, if she got over that, she could be a great heel, but I think she doesn't like to be booed. <laughs> so. Well, they tried to uh, make Becky Lynch into a heel that got booed, and uh, that's not working because she's... She's tremendously popular, and she uh, headlines the triple threat TLC match with Charlotte and Asuka. Early on, a little kind of awkward spots, like Becky was holding the table, and Charlotte, Charlotte was... stomps on it. Yeah, but the table was already flat on the ground. So, you know, there were some things where they were, as they kind of got into the match, was a little sloppy, but uh, as it went along, I mean... Becky coming off the ladder through Charlotte, but like landing all of her weight on Charlotte's yeah, midsection. There was no, there was no buffering of that landing. <laughs> that looked painful, and you even said you thought they bleeped something out. I bet you it was Charlotte because yeah. one, she like, like you know, winced and screamed in pain right away. Right. I mean, because Becky like bounced off of her, like bounced <laughs> like went bleh, on top of her. It was crazy, but you know. We were just talking about how Ronda gets hated on. Charlotte lately is getting hated on. Now, I don't know if the crowd is just being playful. Like, oh, oh we love Becky so much, so we're going to boo Charlotte. But I think it's ridiculous. Like, I know Becky is what everyone loves right now. And she's, like, her character, everyone loves it. Me, I'm not the biggest fan of it. But if you like it, that's you don't okay. Say. <laughs> if, if you guys like that, like her character and love her, that's cool with me. I'm just, like... You know, everyone can agree to disagree. She's not my favorite. But Charlotte took the brunt of the punishment in that match. Like, she was doing some crazy spots. Like, the spear into Asuka through the barricade, which didn't really give way. No, not like we've seen in the past. No. Where there's, it gives. This was kind of a stiff move. I mean, Charlotte was just beat up to <laughs> heck. And then she was doing, you know, her classic moonsault off the top. She's just such a great performer. And the reason WWE pushed her so much and has pushed her as, like, the face of the division is because she's talented as hell. Like, I know she's got the same last name as, you know, one of their greatest performers ever. And some people might compare her to Reigns as being pushed down people's throat. I do not agree. <laughs> because I think it's warranted that she was given a top spot because she's such a great wrestler. And to me, Becky, the reason I don't like her that much is because in ring, she's always been my least favorite of the four horsewomen. Absolutely. In ring-wise. Yeah. But, you know, if you guys like her, if that's your cup of tea, you know, that's fine. That's okay. But just, I love Charlotte. In this match, she shined. And and let's talk about the other person in the match, Asuka. Right. And the surprising result of the match itself. Well, first of all, going back, Asuka just wearing out Becky with the, uh, the kendo sticks. Yeah, uh, was was tremendous, and, and I, uh, 
you know, I was surprised by the ending, I guess, a little bit with Ronda Rousey coming out. But two things that stood out to me was, first of all, I kind of thought the crowd was going to revolt when Asuka got the belt because they are so pro-Becky. Yeah, I thought but so, But the too. crowd went crazy. They loved it. Yeah, and when she was climbing the ladder, they started cheering, yeah. too, and I thought that they would boo. Yeah. So, yeah, just like you said, I was surprised by the crowd's support of her. So, clearly, because, you know, you know what's funny is last week I said, I want to see Asuka go back to prominence. I really, really do. And another funny thing I said, I said, well, how cool would it be if we saw a triple threat, you know, involving Ronda and Charlotte and Becky? And I was like, oh, wait, they're not on the same brand and all that, right? Right. So, but... But Rhonda came out and basically sabotaged, right. storyline-wise, Charlotte and Becky. Well, so what are they going to do with that? Well, I remember what I said last week when we were reading Raphael's odds and Asuka was the biggest underdog. I said, I could see Asuka winning because then that puts Becky and Charlotte for sure into the Royal Rumble. And then one of them would face Ronda Rousey because they would choose Ronda Rousey. And the other one would probably face Asuka. At I, WrestleMania. Don't, I don't see Charlotte facing Asuka at WrestleMania again. No, so I so, think I think Becky faces Asuka. I think Charlotte wins the Royal Rumble and she challenges Ronda Rousey. Or we could see some kind of somehow or, or they the, make it a triple threat, which somehow. would be fantastic as well. Yeah. So either way, I mean, it would be incredible. But this leaves, you know, this match was great and all the women's matches were great. But there's a lot of women left out of like this equation, you know. Bailey, one of the best women wrestlers that they had in NXT, and now she seems like an afterthought. Same thing with Sasha Banks. I want to see more involvement with them at the top of the division and stuff. And if Nikki Cross is finally going to be, you know, a lot more involved, I want to see her because she's amazing. Yep. Well, to that end, on Raw, uh, both Becky, or excuse me, both Bailey and uh, Sasha were involved in a gauntlet match as part of this big change in WWE, which I'm going to talk about in my closing out the show later but bailey looked really good in it sasha looked really good set up uh, natalia and sasha at the end of the gauntlet match which by the way they actually gave them a full hour it wasn't like the last time they did a women's gauntlet match that was 22 minutes with two commercial breaks it was a lot like the men's gauntlet match mm -hmm. which they gave a lot of time to back when they did that a few months ago so i i'm glad that the women finally got their match that was just as long and i'm really happy with the person who wound up on top natalia again yep. she's one of my favorites and that to me i'm surprised i didn't pick sasha over her yeah but now i think you know remember Raphael told us months ago that they wanted not natalia and ronda to have some sort of well, yeah, to bide Rhonda's time, I guess. That right. kind of makes sense because they had the whole friendship storyline. Mm -hmm. And I still think they could go into this fight as friends. I don't know if they're going to do a whole heel thing, but they could. They could. The, the options are open, really, for that. So that'll be interesting. Well, more on WWE, but we'll wrap up this very long uh, segment. Yeah, I know. Quickly with uh, Impact. They had their final uh, show of in-ring action on TV last week. They have a couple best-of shows to uh, round out the year. But now they start looking forward to the uh, pay-per-view uh, homecoming and some good matches getting set up. Uh, Johnny Impact versus Brian Cage, Taya versus Tessa with Gail Kim. LAX. The, yes, the to me the match that's going to be phenomenal. LAX versus the Lucha Brothers. Yeah. There was a, mat, a match this past week, Santana versus Phoenix, which was incredible. Uh, middle of the show, which was kind of weird. Uh, it should have been the main event, I thought, but. Uh, that is going to be phenomenal. If you had to pick MVPs of, and we'll talk a lot more about our favorites next week, but if you had to pick MB, MVPs of Impact, I think Sammy Callahan and LAX. They really have, like, you know, those two sets have been really 
kind of carrying the company. And I'd throw the Lucha Brothers in there, too, because yeah, yeah, Pentagon yeah. and Phoenix have been amazing as well. So, uh, and I, I will maybe maybe bring this all full circle on ECW stuff. We saw Raven yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the insane asylum with Eddie Edwards, who's been committed by his wife. So, uh, all good fun, and they have a homecoming on January 6th, so uh, right off to start the new year, we've got the excitement of Wrestle Kingdom on the 4th, and uh, Homecoming on the 6th. Yes, but will Paul do his patented complaining about the price of Homecoming pay-per-view? Oh, I'm I, sure he will. Yes, I guarantee I will. I, 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 the, you don't have to put Raphael odds on this. The answer is yes, I will complain. Get off my lawn! <laughs> I don't want to pay for expensive pay-per-views! No, I don't. Get off my lawn! I'm not doing it angry enough to be you. But we'll have to... Uh, We'll have to find a way to pirate it or something. <laughs> Whatever. That's horrible. I don't do that with wrestling. I know. But anyway, I let's wrap either. up this hugely yeah. long segment, insanely long. Yes. Yeah. So uh, next week, uh, we're or next, I should say, we're going to take your questions, your final group of questions for the year, and we'll close out the show with our theme of looking ahead as uh, we will look ahead to next week. We will look in, ahead to Raw. And uh, I guess we're going to look back, too. It's something you did... Uh, for Christmas, and that's how we'll ultimately close out the show. So that's coming up next. St. Arnold Brewing Company, located in Houston, is Texas' oldest craft brewery. Their goal is to brew world-class beers and deliver them to their customers as fresh as possible, making them the best beers in Texas and Louisiana. Their customers are beer lovers, people that appreciate great full-flavored beers. So whether you're enjoying an art car IPA or a smooth-drinking lawnmower, Look for St. Arnold beers throughout Louisiana and Texas. Our awesome wrestling logo is by artist Eric Hodson. You could check him out at erichodson.storeenvy.com where he has tons of other wrestling artwork. He really is an incredible artist. His Twitter handle is at Dreaded Dinosaur, which is named after his comic series, The Dreaded Dinosaur Man. Thanks, Eric. We really love your logo. Hello, folks. I'm Kenny Omega, the best bout machine and IWGP heavyweight champion. Join me as we recap and revisit my journey towards becoming the champion and defending the belt up until Wrestle Kingdom 13 in a 10-hour special that I like to call the Kenny Omega-thon. The action kicks off Friday, December 28th at 2, 1 central. Only on Access TV. So we just heard that promo for the Kenny Omega Omegathon that they're having on Access TV starting on December 28th. I think that should be a lot of fun, kind of going through his, uh, you know, leading up to his title acquisition and him winning the title from Okada. And then since he's gotten his title, I think that'll be a lot of fun. And I think you should check it out on Access I think it'll be awesome. Kind of good way to get you fired up for uh, Wrestle Kingdom, too, in his match against Tanahashi. Yeah. I'm hoping Kenny Omega pulls out the win. Uh, but also, that's going to have, you know, implications for stuff going forward. Lots and lots to look forward to. But right now, it's time for Ass Two-Faced. And ironically, our first question is about Kenny Omega. It's from at metal underscore 2006. Do you think we will ever see a Kenny Omega Nick Aldis for the 10 pounds of gold? If so, where and when? It's hard to say where and when. I definitely think we could see that. Especially, well, even if Omega leaves New Japan. Like, say he's just going to be with 
All Elite Wrestling, and somehow he's going to sever his ties with New Japan, which I don't see happening either. Again, I think they're all going to work together somehow. But even if he leaves, I think, yeah, all this versus him would be really a great draw, especially if they use the 10 Pounds of Gold series on YouTube to build in a more of a story. Like, you know, about championship caliber, like, what does that mean to them being the champion? And maybe they can make it like Omega wants to, you know, get the 10 Pounds of Gold as, like, one of his accomplishments. Maybe it raises his, you know, stock as a wrestler. Just another thing to check off his list that makes him just as good as Okada and all these people he's been competing with for years. This could bring him to another level. That'd be a great story and all. But the where and when, I don't know about that so much. I think it's going to be at least six, eight months away. Maybe. I'm talking about far. Maybe, yeah. Maybe it'll be the headline for the next All-In. Maybe, yeah. That would be amazing. I could see that happening. All right, let's move on. Okay, at Jody Adel, what's your opinion of the shakeup? And she means, of course, you know, WWE claiming that they're going to change their tune and all this, and well, I'll, I'll let, the shakeup coming up. I'll let you answer most of it because obviously this is my closing out the show. I'll just say I hope it's legitimate. I hope it's legitimate too. It's easy for them to go out there and say that. And even the segment in which they said that they're going to change things seemed like the same old, same old. Now, yeah, you could argue, but look, they gave the women an hour for that gauntlet match. Well, yeah, they gave the men an hour like months ago, but it doesn't mean they booked the wrestlers any better for their shows consistently between then and now. Now, I will say, let's give them time because, you know, traditionally their holiday shows aren't their most packed shows, aren't their best shows. And by the way, there are people out there upset that they're filming their shows ahead of time for Christmas. How can you begrudge a wrestler for wanting to be home with their family? I think that's insane. I haven't seen the complaint firsthand, but I've, I've, I've read tweets where people are saying they've heard people complaining. Well, and it's funny because a year ago people were complaining because the wrestlers weren't getting off for that Monday Night Raw, which I guess would have been on the 23rd at that point. This time it's actually on Christmas Eve, and SmackDown would be on Christmas Day. I don't know how you expect them to work, and it's not like the shows are great anyway on those days. They usually are it, not jam packed. It with wasn't stuff. that long ago that SmackDown aired on Friday night, but yet they still recorded it on Tuesday. Yeah. So you know we're not that far removed from it. And if you're not happy about it, you could have stayed off Twitter till till next next Monday when Raw airs, and you know it'd be like you watched it live. I. I don't, I don't get complaining about it. Whether or not WWE actually does good by their promise to shake things up, that's like up in the air. But what I do commend WWE for is realizing they should have given the wrestlers off last year during that holiday week. And I'm glad they made it so that they were taping instead of making them work. So to me, props to WWE. Don't know about the shakeup, but do know that it's a class act to let them have Christmas and Christmas Eve off. Our next question is from at Krasinski RJ. Uh, rebook the cast of the movie A Christmas Story with Wrestlers. Oh, and, gosh. And I, I am going to say something that may be blasphemous. I don't know. I've only seen the Christmas A uh, Christmas Story one time, ever. And, th- and that was years ago. So, yes, I know some of the iconic parts of it, but I don't know if I could answer well enough to uh, even give a good answer. Well, geez, I am... 
not surprised by you not having seen it (laughs) but once but what may surprise people listening or viewing us is that i have not seen like the most famous scenes in a long time i've never seen the movie in its entirety ever at all and that might shock you guys but it's no home alone for me so (laughs) so yeah i mean if you ask me to recast something like jingle all the way with arnold schwarzenegger and sinbad i know that's ridiculous but it's one of my 90s favorite movies i could totally do that but honestly i cannot recast a christmas stories with wrestlers because the only parts I know were about that you're going to shoot your eye out um, and where he's wearing a bunny suit and that's about it. And the flagpole where he gets his tongue stuck <laughs> right, in the flagpole, right. which I could see Sammy Callahan doing. That's about it. Maybe <laughs> Sammy Callahan could be a really, really disturbed Ralphie. I don't know. <laughs> At least you know his name. <laughs> I do. So, yeah, that might surprise a lot of people because I'm kind of like a movie buff kind of person and really love pop culture, but I haven't seen the movie. <laughs> All right, so our next question's from our good friend at Deej Kirkby. Who's your wrestlers to look out for in 2019? Uh, I think I'll go with a couple late NXT signings uh, from this year, Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. You took my answers. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, and I think uh, a guy that people probably don't know that well, we saw him at PWG and Ring of Honor just signed him. He's going to be part of Villain Enterprises, Brody King. Oh, Huge yeah. wrestler with incredible athletic skill, not unlike Punishment Martinez. Well, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say Jeff Cobb. Yeah. Because he's going to be somebody they're going to have to rely on, uh, you know, for the company. If the Bucks and Cody and people like that aren't even going to be involved at all, Jeff Cobb could be a top star for them. So I think he's going to have an amazing 2019, and he's going to really kind of be at the top of the card, I think, by the end of the year, next year. All right, next up, at MJ Hart, what match at New Japan Wrestle Kingdom are you most looking forward to? Some good ones to choose from. Ibushi Osprey will be sure to tear the house down. It kind of gave our answer. Yeah. I mean, I know that's going to be your answer. Yeah, we said that last week. I, I, There's going to be a ton of great matches, obviously, but I don't see any way that this, again, won't be the match of the show, but this time next year that we're not talking about it as the match of the year. Well, you know, I'm also looking forward to Ishii versus Zack Sabre Jr. I think that'll be great because just the kind of tension between what we've seen previously with Ishii and Suzuki has been great. And since Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. are in the same faction, I think that intensity would transfer over when Zack Sabre faces Ishii. And in fact, they've had a match against each other before. Zack Sabre Jr. lost his title to Ishii at the WrestleCon uh, show we saw back during WrestleMania weekend mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Yep. That was an awesome match and a great crowd reaction for that. And um, I thought it was awesome. I think that's going to be a match to look out for as well. But yeah, number one, no question to me. Osprey's my favorite wrestler. It's going to be Osprey versus Ibushi. Well, our next question is from PCH Nilbog. Do you think WWE will actually have the guts to make Becky their flagship wrestler? She definitely has the chops to lead the company. The only question I have is about whether the company will mess it up or not. Well, to me, the way the company could mess it up is if they try and push her too much. If they jam it, her down everybody's throat, you know how WWE fans revolt on that. I don't think they're going to revolt on her. Uh, I, I don't think so. I think if, if they felt like WWE was too much pushing her, I think they would revolt. They're I never th- happy. I think right now is the perfect because they've already kind of taken over. They wanted to make Becky a heel, and the crowd loves her. So I, I think... I don't think WWE should do any more than they already are. They've kind of made her the face. Look, the open of TLC was her. Yeah. So I, I think 
I think that's about the right amount. Yeah, don't push it too hard. Because right now, she can say, like, I'm not giving my just dues and I'm the man. And she can almost still act like, not like an underdog, but like, you know, she still has to fight for everything right. she Play gets. play the disrespect card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if they, if she's the top all the time, that goes away. And it right. becomes forced. And I think, you know... Then she becomes Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, you don't want that to happen. But again, I don't think the crowd would revolt as much as you think, but we'll M see. Maybe not. Next one's from ZACSHI130 with Jay Lethal still Ring of Honor World Champ following a final battle and Dalton Castle getting his shot on January 13th. When or where do you think Saban, Flip, or Marty will get theirs respectively? It was teased that Nick Aldis also wants a Ring of Honor World title. Do you think it will be a title versus title? I think it would be hard to do a title versus title match. Like, you know, how do you book it? You'd have to book it right. I mean, it could be, but I don't know. They'd have to play it just right. And um, I do think that Flip will get a a match. Um, that would be amazing. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say when all this will happen. Um, I just think it will happen. Obviously, these are the people who make sense will be the next challenger. I think Nick Aldis, although he came out, I think that... The people behind 10 Pounds of Gold, you know, David Lagana, doing 10 Pounds of Gold, but also he was basically behind the Pinnacle series. Mm -hmm. I think because he's so into telling the story over that digital platform, I think the Nick Aldis match needs time to build up. They need time to make it something. And I think they know that when they do that, like they did with Cody versus Aldis before All In, it pays off. So that's why I think it's not going to be in a month. It's not going to be in two months. I'm thinking three, four, five months. I mean, at least two or three to build it. Yeah. I could I, be wrong, but that's what I'm thinking. I mean, look, I I, I think Marty's going to get his chance, and I think he's going to be the one that takes it from Jay Lethal. Uh, but, yeah, because I think he's going to be the top of the company for a while because he's one of their biggest names because of the being the Elite thing, right. so the crossover appeal, yeah. All this title versus title, I could see that, like you said, at some point. Uh, it, there, there are a lot of X factors in that. Flip uh, had a match against Jay Lethal at All In. Yeah, uh, and that was very good. So it turned out I, really well. I'd but I just don't think I don't think Flip's gonna be you know contending for it as. Soon. No, I, I agree. I if first off, I think Flip at some point will win the TV title. Mm -hmm. you know, it's that slow build that you see a lot. You need that, and Ring of Honor is really good at doing that sp slow build. And they've built up stars before, and I think they know the formula. They have it down, and that's what they're gonna do with Flip. But it's a gradual thing, so I'm not looking to see him versus Lethal again for a while. Right. All right, so our next one's from our great friends at Take the Bump Pod. If you could bring back one wrestler in their prime, any era, any promotion, for one night to have one match with anyone in the world at any event, who would you bring back, who would they face, and at what event? Um, we've answered we've variations of yes. this before. So I'm just going to go off of something I saw this weekend. Uh, I think I would like to have seen or could have seen a Stone Cold Steve Austin versus a Jay Lethal. I oh, think that wow. would I think that would be a fun match because both are kind of like the we're the faces of their company. Both have that little bit of defiance as we saw from Lethal this weekend. So it's probably doesn't jive with some of my answers in the past. You could ask me again in a month, I may have a different answer. But just because of uh, maybe the storylines we saw, I'm I'm gonna go with that. I don't know. I always tend to gravitate towards like. Um... Brian Pillman. Whenever right. anyone asks me who do you want to bring back, I always gravitate towards him. So for me, the easy answer is saying something like, oh, well, Brian Pillman in his prime, when he was like flying Brian, but with the character of the loose cannon. So kind of like, I'm going total fantasy here. So kind of 
two different eras of Pillman mixed together, bringing him back to face, I don't know, I think somebody like Osprey would be fun, or Suzuki. Suzuki versus Pillman would be really cool, especially if Pillman was the loose cannon character. Also, I think something that would be fun would be somebody who was super, um, just like kind of innovative big guy, Bam Bam Bigelow. I'm always a big Bam Bam Bigelow fan. I think him versus Osprey would be a weird match, but awesome. <laughs> How weird would that be? I don't know. I'd love to see it. Strange, but uh, entertaining. All right, next one. From At Good Bad Wrestle, which was worse, Home Alone 4 or The Raw from two weeks ago? Well, I would say automatically The Raw. No, no, just kidding. I would say Home Alone 4 probably, even though technically I haven't seen it. I've seen Home Alone 3, and that's pretty bad, so I can only imagine Home Alone 4 gets worse. So I'd say, I guess I'll take it easy on WWE and say Home Alone 4 is pretty bad. I gotta be honest, I didn't even know there was a Home Alone 4, so um, uh, The Raw... Uh, was pretty bad, so yeah. Uh, you know, just because of that, I guess we'll we'll make Raw the worst one for now. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now our good friend at MGB Wrestling Pod, Graham. You know, we miss Graham and Mason, and now we're all back talking back and forth to each other. He wants to know a random question, kind of a holiday-themed question, not really wrestling-related, but that's okay. Best Christmas song, in our opinion. Uh, you and I actually had this discussion. Uh, I like all Christmas music, but I think I like the religious music more, and not because I'm super religious, but I, I just I just like some of those traditional Christmas songs. Although I'm going to throw a little curveball at you. I just uh, saw online the Dropkick Murphys Christmas song, and uh, I'm a big Dropkick Murphys fan, so I'm going to go with that as my just because it's more edgy for our wrestling. So. It's, yeah, it's edgy. It's, it's also ridiculous. It, it yeah. was ridiculous. It's basically about drunken family Christmas, basically. Yeah, but that's what Christmas <laughs> is for a lot of people. So I guess it's thematic and makes sense. So yeah, that's a good one. I, I don't disagree completely with that. I think that's a unique choice. But me, I've got some old school classics here. This might surprise a lot of people, but I really like, you know, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year by Andy Williams. Classic Christmas guy, classic old school singer. Love him. And then my second favorite, um, Sleigh Ride by the Boston Pops Orchestra. So it's instrumental only, and it's beautifully done by the orchestra, and it's just really, really catchy and fast. And every time I'm listening to Christmas music, which really isn't often, I like really hope if I'm listening to the radio that that song comes on. Very rarely does it come on, <laughs> but I've got it on my Spotify. I love that song. All right, the last question of 2018. Yes, because we're not doing questions <laughs> next week. That's no, why. Which we'll explain here in a second. At the Tom Devlin. With many of the top stars in Ring of Honor leaving at the end of the year, who are a few wrestlers on the roster you think will get a push? Well, we kind of hit on a couple of minutes ago. But... Yeah, we hit on Marty, Flip, in a different way. Obviously, Cobb. Those for sure. But, man, that's a hard question. Like, you know, how long does Jay Lethal stay on top is really another question that kind of has to do with who else would get a push. Um, You know, PCO, people were really high on him. But I think he's more like kind of like just a popular name i mean he's really brutal and hardcore i just don't see him getting like a huge push i think he's a great acquisition but uh, i don't think he's gonna be the ones getting a push i think he's just gonna be a good standard mid guy but i would love it the bouncers as a team and we're talking about beer city bruiser of course and brian malonis mm -hmm. i hope that they get a push and they really maybe would hold the belts I would love to see that happen they had a great match against the briscoes they could have another great one for the title and win it i would love to see that 
Uh, Random answer, but I'd love to see it. Uh, I agree with all of yours. The only other one I'd like to see more of, because I like his character a lot, is Vinny Marcelli. Uh, oh, yeah, he I'm, could be a single star. Yeah, I'm hoping he gets a, a, a push of some sort as well. I think Taven's going to get a push. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're certainly building towards that. In fact, Taven, like, if it's not Marty who dethrones Lethal, I think it could be Taven with the whole I'm the rightful champion and then that storyline finally paying off with him becoming the actual real champion. I think that'd be interesting. All right. Well, thanks for all the questions this week and throughout the year, and we'll bring back the uh, questions after the new year as well as Pop and Wrestling is going to come back after the new year. But it's time to uh, close out the show and send them home. I guess I'll start this time. And uh, we've hit on it a couple times. The raw change and the way the brand is going to be improved. And, you know, right off the bat when we saw it, we thought it's a storyline more so than substantive. But at the same time, Seth alluded to it a couple weeks ago. Obviously, bringing all the McMahons in makes it seem like reality. So, if it is reality, here are a couple of my suggestions on how to make Raw better. The obvious one we've said a million times is make it two hours, but that's never going to happen. First off, how about having a champion that's actually on TV on a weekly basis? Yeah, I think that'd be a good one. That may start on January 27th when Braun Strowman faces Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble. Maybe that will be the case. Uh, better job on their rivalries. SmackDown does a pretty good job on the rivalries. Raw has not done a real good job on that of late. Uh, you know, I think they've kind of forced some rivalries. You know, they've basically done the same rivalry with Finn Balor against Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin. Hey, you're the little guy. The little guy thing doesn't play, especially because Daniel Bryan won the title back at WrestleMania 30. You know, I I think the you're you're too little. Just isn't a it's it's a lazy storyline. So mm-hmm. so anyways, develop better rivalries. Use your talent. You've got a lot of people on the roster. Give people chances. Go back to the days where just random people got a chance at the title. Even if you know they're not going to win, let them have a chance to show off what they can do. Uh, I've said this a couple times. And I know it will never happen because of travel, because of them going different directions. I think the tag team division should all be on one show. Or be fluid into both shows, but the whole division should be one. It's too weak where there's just the same things going on. I think you need one tag team champion, and the tag team division can be contended for on both shows. And finally, uh, they, they're bringing in some fresh faces. I just don't know how much that's going to add, because if you look at who they're bringing up, we love heavy machinery. Mm-hmm. Is Heavy Machinery going to get a tag team title? Maybe no, they'll get not, one run. not for a long time. Lacey Evans. I like her finishing move in the name of it, but she's not better than, you know, most of the female wrestlers on the roster. And, and if a, she gets a push over Sasha or Bailey, if she were to be on Raw, that'd be ridiculous. And it's a vision where a lot of the characters are, like, reality-based. The, the characters aren't, like, gimmicky. But, but Lacey's is. Yeah. Like the whole, oh, you know, army, like you can do right. it thing. To me, that's so gimmicky and over the top. It like walks a, a line that I don't know if it's going to play on no. the main roster. Especially with people who have fleshed out characters that are very specific and more realistic. Like Bailey, like Sasha. And are better wrestlers. <laughs> yes. So yeah, there you go. Now, the other promotions, Nikki Cross, we love her. Hopefully she's reunited with Sandy on SmackDown. 
and that whole faction's together. EC3 was a natural. You knew he was going to be promoted. And uh, Mustafa Ali, I know we differ on him. I, I'm happy he's full-time on SmackDown. He's really talented. But we're talking about Raw. And those are my choices for how to make Raw a little better. But just make the action better. Let the wrestlers wrestle. I mean, develop storylines, develop rivalries. Having Kevin Owens come back, having Sami Zayn come back is certainly going to help as well. And that's been a part of it too is they've kind of been like decimated a little bit, I guess is the best way to put it. So those are my uh, suggestions for Raw. i got to give a lot of your suggestions a thumbs up. I'm kind <laughs> of in agreement with a lot of them. Uh, very sensible suggestions for sure. And good job, Paul. My closing out the show, I really kind of want to just look ahead at things we're going to be doing next week. I'm really excited. We're going to put out the question on Twitter, on my Twitter and on Two Face Pod's Twitter. We're going to ask, you know, your favorite matches from, you know, each promotion. And we want you to be very specific in the comments. So say why you chose which match you did. You can reply with multiple comments if you have to. I just want to know specific. I just don't want you to say a match with nothing. Tell me why you liked it, you know? Great story, great in-work, whatever. So NXT, WWE, Impact, Ring of Honor, and New Japan. And if, look, if you've got something from Lucha Underground or something you want to add as an other, you know, you can put that in your description of your choices or whatever. But, yeah, those are the five promotions we we the chose. Main five. One... And we could talk about some miscellaneous <clears throat> stuff, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, look ahead to that. But also, you know, we were talking about the new year so much and everything in 2019, what it has in store. Something that I kind of want to go in towards, I want us to have a little bit more you know, wrestler highlight specials, which I think we're going to definitely do. So look forward to that, guys. We're going to have specials. I kind of want to do one on Suzuki. I think that would be fun. Watch all kinds of Suzuki matches. Just have a whole episode about him and lots of other people, too, like Pillman, et cetera, et cetera. The possibilities are endless. And like you talked about, we'll have more pop and wrestling, too. So some some things we want to add and, you know, beef up on. But we're going to leave you before Christmas with something old that I did about two years ago. My first video I ever did when I started my wrestling YouTube channel, Super Kicking It With Kelsey. It was all about spoofing a Christmas song. I spoofed Let It Snow. And it was a wrestling song. And I had it be a sing-along. And I had a little Scars Guard, which was the boat from the final deletion, the broken mat thing. I had a little, like, a bouncing scars guard going along with all the words. And it's basically about the elite, AJ Styles, and broken broken mat. And it's just, like, all about rhyming and kind of going along with a, a let it snow type of song, sing song. And, and it's very cute. And it's ridiculous. Worth, worth checking out. Definitely watch the YouTube version if you watch our show. Or you, you normally just listen to our show. Make sure you check out the YouTube Yeah, it's got so fake you... snow. It's got, right. like, the sing-along words at the bottom, like I said. And it's got, like, a sped-up you know, video of me decorating my wrestling Christmas tree from two years ago. So check it out. But we're going to play you the song right now. Happy holidays, guys. I hope you have a great one. That's the finish. Follow the Bouncing Scars Guard. Delete. 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 Delete.
delete. Delete. You're dead. You're dying. You're dying. And the bucks, bucks are, are still hiding under the rainbow. Wrestling has been phenomenal, and his talent is undeniable. Styles Clash, BC Bash, too sweet. Can't be beat, can't be beat, can't be beat. The Bucks are crutch chopping, while the cleaner is busy mopping. They'll super, super kick. kick. What? A what a treat! The elite, the elite, the elite. Can't be beat. Can't be beat. Can't be beat. Delete, delete, delete. Too sweet. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.